This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast of myself, Joe and Ross talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. First of all, gents, how are we doing? Ross, uh, how's your day been so far? Tough day at work, but I'm getting there. Yeah, I had a pretty tough day myself, I mean, not, not at work, but uh, university struggles. Um, but yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, Joe, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm slowly getting over last night's debacle. Oh yeah, well, we're going to get plenty into that, that's for sure. Uh, this podcast um yeah you know what let's just get into it now oxford um you know pretty shambolic performance in my opinion um obviously we lost three two on the road we were all pretty hopeful of getting a result um and we felt we had to leg up on them and to be honest from the first four five minutes we did uh we played well you know cameron Jordan got another goal which is great two goals and two starts proving everyone wrong but the general theme uh this season has been it's individual mistakes costing us games and it, it's, it's so frustrating because when you look at the stats and see how we're performing and based on what you see on the pitch it's oh, it's infuriating and you can tell by the players reactions that it's getting to them now uh, Ross what are your thoughts on last night's performance at Oxford um, I had a feeling um, of frustration after the game uh, as um You've mentioned Liam. We first what twenty five minutes we looked decent. Um, yeah, we conceded an early goal. We had a, um, a very good reaction after we conceded. Um, but there's defensive issues. Um, obviously, we'll mention it a bit later on. Um, I just felt Cargill just didn't fit that centre uh, centre back role. Um, obviously, trying to replicate the Keogh figure, um, and I feel. Uh, felt like um, from the first minute um, he was forever chasing the ball um, and it kind of shows and highlights the importance of Keogh in that back line but um, I think overall um, we didn't create enough uh, only two shots on target um, and yeah we still had that 71% possession um, going forward but uh, we lost the game at the end of the day so it's not a uh, very good positive at a performance. Yeah, it it really wasn't positive at all. I, I know attacking wise, we looked good again, and that's that's all well and good. But you know, if if you're letting them in, like I said, again, Milky Dons comes up again. But it's true, and you know, as you said, Ross Keo not in that defence, and we lacked all sorts of organisation and just a real misunderstanding between the whole team and it wasn't a good look at all. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on uh, last night's game? Well, it's uh, we, we, we shot ourselves in the foot again. Uh, I think it was five or six minutes in. Uh, a ball just rolls under Cargill's foot. It seemed like an easy clearance and 
But again, I think I, I personally think it was probably one of the best 20 to 30 minute spells we had after their goal. We absolutely dominated. Some of the chances we created were were really, really good chances. I think Morris just uh, just missed one, draw him headed over as well. And uh, and then the goal was really good. You know, when you're working in when you work in chances that end up in a shot about five or six yards out, it's you know it's a good bit of play. And I think we've I think in the, so far this season we're about fourth for goals in open play. But again, it's it was a it was a really good ball in by James Henry, but there was just no lack of communi- There was just a complete lack of communication between that back line and the goalkeeper. And the goalkeeper half comes just as he did against uh, with the cross against Lincoln. Uh, it's sort of left in no man's land, and it's an easy header for the for, for the goal. And the f- final goal, I think, I, th- I think in the second half they turned it into a scrap, and they completely neutralised us. And we, I think, um, uh, Russ mentioned it. He said the mentality absolutely stank out there, and he said you, Lewington was one of the only ones that kind of kept his head and kept going. But even, even uh, judging by what, what what I could see, even Lewington looked to be a bit rattled. And I think if teams are going to turn games into scraps, we need to learn how to fight and we need to learn to not just be so dependent on everything going our way and playing nicey, nice football, as good as it was at times. But when it is going that well, we just need to take our chances, which I, th- I thought we did have a few. But again, it's just, just uh, we're just being let down by these crucial errors by individuals. Yeah, I mean, I thought, um, you know, that Morris chance goes in, it's a completely different game, right? Um, but I thought we installed that mentality a couple of weeks ago. And, and you know, it, it, I thought it showed in the Gillingham game. But as, we've had this before, haven't we, where this mentality of going on the road to a place that seems to, I don't know, build up in the players and they go out and perform not very well. I can't remember exactly what which management it happened under, but I, I believe it's happened before. And I don't understand what it is because... It doesn't seem to happen with too many other clubs and it's happened across different managers now. So I'm not sure if it's built inside the club or if it's inside the dressing room and it's maybe certain players that have carried on from different regimes have carried this over. There's a whole lot of dilemmas and situations that Russ Martin has to deal with. And yeah, and he's right in a sense, but I feel there's a lot of other factors that played into why we lost that game, which we'll get into other than the players lost their heads. Um, so why don't we get into it? Um, first point we got is Lee Nichols. And I mean, we, 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 uh, we um, mentioned yeah, in episode five how we want to talk about Nichols, we didn't get a chance. So me, Ross and um, Jonathan spoke about it in episode six. And lo and behold, we're here at episode seven and uh, he's the first subject again. And I don't want to put, I want to put loads of blame on Lee, but I think for two of the goals, he was the main culprit in actually them going in the back of the net. Like that second one, I don't know what he was thinking coming out for that set piece. Like you either commit to it or you stay on your line. You don't you don't do a bit of both. And the third goal, like I DM'd um Joe and Ross the angle from behind the goal, um, from the Oxford United Twitter account, which you can go and see. And you know, Lee is a step or two to the right way too fast. His positioning is terrible when he should have saved it. Um, and I kind of had a question, just intriguing people's answers of, would you give um, new recruit Andrew Fisher a chance in goal over Lee Nichols? And I was actually quite surprised to see people saying yes, in a sense. You know, I think a good response actually came from Daryl Redford, who said how he'd, want, he'd give Fisher, Fisher a chance, like most people said, but he'd want it to be over a three to five game uh, spell period. So, you know, he's not just in for one or two games where he has to have a pretty good game to keep his spot. And I think um, at DippyDon underscore 95 made a good point of how, you know, we've got the FA Cup coming up at the start of November and then um, Southampton the 23s in the uh, EFL trophy. So that could be a interesting time to implement Fisher into the side, although it is about, what, two or three weeks away, which for some people, based off their responses, was uh, too far away. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on Lee Nichols' performance in general last night? And do you think Andrew Fisher deserves at least a shot as, as the number one in goal in the league games? Yeah, I think I, th- I think he struggled this season. And it's, it's a real shame because last season there were moments where, OK, his playing out from the back wasn't great. 
and 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 it still isn't, but it has improved. But last season, you could just you kept him in purely on the fact that he was one of the best shot stoppers in the league. And this season, his playing out from the back is okay, but his shot stopping, to me, it seems though it's dropped off a complete cliff. I had a little look at some numbers, and only five teams have conceded more goals than us in the league, and but only four have faced fewer shots on target. So the defence and the unit as the whole, the structure of the team is not failing. We're not conceding tonnes and tonnes of chances, but the chances we are conceding, a lot of them are resulting up in goals. And, you know, to be top five, uh, to be top five for goals conceded and then to to have, to have uh, you know, to have a really good record with facing shots, it's, it's it should be the other way around, if anything. And, I think with, with last, uh, I think it was eighteen nineteen season under Tista, I remember Lee was having a, a bit of a troubled time. And I remember he had four or five games out and Stuart Moore came in and he wasn't great. But I think it just, and he wasn't great and Lee came back shortly after. But I think as soon as Lee came back, he had that 18 month spell where he was absolutely fantastic and one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And I just, I just, you know, I hope he does because I can, I can live with his ability to not play out the best from the back if he's going to be keeping us, if he's going to be saving us in games. But at the moment, he's not doing either aspect particularly well. I feel. Yeah, I suppose the mentality regarding that is that we should need him to save us in games. Um, but as you said, uh, Joe, if he's not making a save when he's required to, then he's a liability in the team, especially if he can't incorporate this passing style that we you know we as you mentioned we've seen him struggle under Tisdale with it and to be honest we've seen him struggle with it again and maybe he's developed a better chemistry with some players like for me I feel when he's passing out of the back to Kasumi it seems to be a lot more smoother than it is for Houghton um, I don't know whether that's player instructions from the opposition of to mark uh, Houghton tighter or that's because Kasumi's a bit more like quicker on the ball a bit more agile but either way it's not working and something needs to change. Either Nichols needs to get better or the unmentionable he needs to be dropped. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on Lee Nichols and Andrew Fisher potentially coming in? Um, first of all, I can't defend his performance last night, but I can defend his performance over the past couple of years in the fact that, that Lee Nichols has saved us from humiliation several times in the Paul Tisdale era. And... Yes, he, as Joe said, he's a good shot stopper um, and he might not suit the passing um, ability slash footwork to, uh, under the Russell Martin system. Is Can we judge him? And I know his performance yesterday um, wasn't great, but can we judge him or can we judge that whole defence as a unit? So, for example, Cargill. If he cleared that chance, Lee Nichols wouldn't have been in danger there. Um, with the last goal, um, if Halton didn't give away the ball, um, if, yeah, if Halton didn't give away the ball so uh, softly and easy, and um, they got tight to their man, would have we got a block in? So we can put all this responsibility on Nichols, and I, I don't, um, I'm not defending his performance last night, but the defence have to do their job also. But also something I um, I noticed, everyone's mentioned Fisher, but why don't we start Laurie Walker? He's had the experience um, in the Cups against Northampton and uh, Stevenage. So he's had a head start, let's say, head of Fisher. I know he got um, Fisher was brought in on a permanent deal, but Laurie Walker's had the games and he's got a head start, as I say. So is he an option? Yeah, I, I, it's a very good point. I didn't, um, I'd not, de- not discounting Walker at all. Um, you know, you just feel, I suppose, with Declan Day signing a Fisher, you'd expect him to be the deputy to Nichols, that's all. And, you know, Walker, whilst he has done, uh, you know, real, real favours to the club by, you know, coming in when he did last season and obviously now being a professional footballer again with the club. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm all for giving Fisher a chance and, I'd agree with your points in regards to, you know, the potential scapegoating of Nichols, as I think actually um, I've heard a tweet earlier, but um, Dan mentioned it as well, how people 
you know, just instantly blame the keeper rather than blame the perhaps mistakes leading up to the goal, um, as you kind of referred it to. But last night for me, I think it was the first time you could really blame Nichols for that, his performance and give him a bit of responsibility. And, you know, I think this is the first game since Crew where we've really seen that lack of responsibility taken by individuals. Uh, I think Ben Glavin referred to it after that performance. And, you know, it, if you want to do well and, you know, get pro- progress further, you've got, to, you've got to accept responsibility for your mistakes. And I'm hoping that in the dressing room that Lewington was his dressing room leader self as usual and pointing responsibility at players if the comments from Martin about him being the player with the only real right attitude at the moment is true. So let's get into uh, this controversial changes last night that ultimately didn't work. Uh, we'll start with starting eleven, and obviously Russ Martin made two changes. He brought in uh, Houghton, and he brought in Cargill. And I don't know what he, I don't know what the coaching team are thinking. Quite frankly, moving moving David Kasumi from that pivot role, which he did so well in the first two games, to the right hand midfield spot of that central three where, as we mentioned in early episodes of the pod, he's not good there. He, he never was, and he never, unless he develops significantly, never will be. So, to, for me, to move him for a spot where he excels, to, just to accommodate Houghton, who hasn't been playing well, and he, practically he just bought him in just to give him a game. And and again, he cost us at least one goal, maybe two. And that was a bad decision. And then, of course, if Keo wasn't physically fit to play, as uh, Martin said, Fair enough, but to put Cargo in the centre at the fence was a ridiculous decision. Like I don't know, I don't know what skill sets they see in um, Bailey Cargo to play in that central three, but it's not what's needed. He's much better as a left-handed, left-sided centre back or left wing back in terms of his attacking potential and his overlapping potential, rather than a central centre back role where you need to be a really good communicator to marshal that defence like a Keo. And at times, like a Lewington or even a George Williams, if you have to. But I feel like Cargill was perhaps the worst option out of the ones you could have picked to put in there. And regardless of his, you know, slip up for the first goal, the defence was so disorganised and it just didn't. It wasn't a good look, and it only added to the performance last night. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts on the changes to starting eleven and it not working ultimately? Uh-huh. Well, as I say, um, Alton and Kasumi, just two defensive players, it doesn't work. And I think um, you boys mentioned it, um, why Sorensen wasn't even involved on the bench or uh, on the pitch. An option which probably is better than Kasumi in that role. Um, I felt like Kasumi needed a rest, uh, first of all, because of what what's that, three, uh, three games in how many days? And I just feel like uh, it's going to get all on top of him eventually. But as you say, we lack that leadership in that back line. Um, Louis isn't always the most vocal. so And I feel like Keo brings that, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, but the thing which worried me was when Oxford came out and uh, showed a bit more grit and determination. And uh, yeah, they got uh, the ref- referee incisions went their way. Why didn't Rush change the system? Why didn't we have that plan B or plan C? Is that something we've got to question uh, going further down the line? I mean, he definitely has a plan B. We saw it last season, uh, the Diamond. I just, I don't know. The thing is, we, we, as, as Joyce, we played well with the first 25 minutes to the, fir- to the first half. And the, I, don't, I don't know how to explain what happened. It was just... It was only it was when the second policy. goal went in that we, that yeah. we started to struggle, I feel. And then they just got us to pick us off on the counter attack after that, I think. But I feel like they just they set this they didn't mean to do intentionally, but they set this team up to fail ultimately, because as you said, Ross, you can't play two defensive midfielders in a central three. That's never gonna work. And you know, Kasimu can only run can only run so much before he's effectively just had the chicken running around trying to get the ball. And yeah, I, I really don't understand it. Uh, Joe, can you make you understand it a bit more or <laughs> or not? I think- I, th- I think in the past, you know, five or six games, I think we've really found a position for Kasumu that really suits us. With the, you know, with the three centre-backs, do you need two holding midfielders, essentially? 
I think Houghton is very good at a couple of things, and that is passing it five yards, ten yards, relieving a bit of pressure. But I feel, feel he, what he, he lacks for in athleticism, Kasumu really adds to that role. And I, I feel that we saw Kasumu of last season last night, and that's no fault of his, of his own because his skill set is not to be a craft a crafty player in the final third. His, his skill set is getting up and down that pitch all around and snuffing out moves and uh, and uh, taking the ball on the turn and you know transitioning uh, the attacks. So I feel that you either either need to play Houghton or Kasumu, and for the for the other two centre mid roles, uh, we've got uh, we've got Fraser, we've got Lassa Sorensen, we've got Ben Gladwin, we've got Louis Thompson, who I think has been fantastic recently, by the way. And I think I think um, Liam, did we have a, a tweet about um, someone asking about Scott Fraser and Gladwin potentially starting in central midfield? Yeah, we did. So um, I think it was Jackal um, at JChamp27 spoke about how or what our thoughts are on potentially starting Fraser and Gladwin. Say, for example, against Blackpool on Saturday. Um, and yeah, so you guys got any thoughts on I, that? What do you think? Yeah, yeah so, so th- th- exactly. And I, I think why can't that work? Because at the end of the day, you've got three centre-backs and you've then got a sitter. So that's effectively a back four. If you you want to think about it literally, that is the back four there. And I I feel that with the two wing-backs getting up and down that pitch, those those central midfielders in in, in the wide central midfielders, they should be, you know, they should really be the ones that are A, pressing the ball when we don't have it and B, really, really pushing the attacks. And I feel like that we, we missed some of that, especially in the second half. We just missed that little bit of craft, that little bit of patience. And when they turned that game into a scrap, it was so stop-start. And uh, yeah, just quickly on the centre on the defence, I feel when you're the middle centre-back and you're not playing with a partner, you're playing with two others, and then you've also got a midfielder in front of you, you need to be talking to them all the time, telling them where they need to be, because at the end of the day, you're the one in the centre. You, you're the one that needs to be directing the traffic, snuffing out the threats. And I feel that Cargill was completely the wrong person to do that. I feel, like you said, even Lewington or George Williams could easily have covered that position. And then you could maybe have a, I'd had O'Hora. Or even if even if Lewington was at the centre and Cargill was on the left, you know, maybe perhaps with a, a little bit... Um, less dis- defensive responsibility. That's when we've seen Cargill at his best. And Cargill wasn't a great defender in League Two. So to be starting him as a central defender in a free defender formation, I, I find, I, I really, I understand why he did it. You know, Keogh's got rest, but I, that that decision really puzzled me. Yeah, I, I mean, as I said, I think it was the worst situation possible that he had done that. Like, I think anyone there apart from Cargill would have been done a better job. And that's not being harsh on Carker, that's just the truth, in my opinion. Um, I'm not sure regarding what's going on with O'Hora. Um, you know, you mentioned it, I'm not sure, because Martin talked about how you wanted him back from Gillingham. Don't think he's been back since. Um, I know he had a concussion issue, um, which I know from watching the NFL a lot can take a few weeks to go over. Um, so hopefully see him against Blackpool. Um, but yeah, you know, it wasn't great. And, you know, he didn't get much better with the substitutions either. Um, you know, I've made a note of Mason and Thompson, who for me were just completely the wrong subs. Like, I would have brought on Gladwin and Walker straight away. They're, they're um, scrappers, aren't they, Gladwin and Walker? To me, they, they don't mind getting stuck in. And when you're in a situation like we were last night, you need kind of you need someone to do what Gladwin did and do something out of nothing. I think I feel in times like those. Yeah, you, you put it perfectly, and you know. Why would you bring on a player, Mason, who we know his skill set, and if he's picking up Walker so much and he's apparently fit, why isn't he playing him? Unless he's saving him for Sunday. Uh, sorry, not Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry. It, did, it didn't make any sense. He was, it was like he was trying to deceive someone by mentioning Walker and not playing him. I don't know. It was, it was, a, weird, it was a weird game for everyone involved, and it kind of left me a bit baffled uh, after that game. And it would be interesting to see for one, what Russ has to say on Friday, and two, how he set up on Saturday against Blackpool. But I think that could say a lot in terms of the players' reaction and how Russ is thinking. Because if he again goes with 
this pouncing as the pivot and all that, then it's not going to be a good look. And I'm not going to be too happy if that happens, quite frankly. So the final, well, the final negative subject we had to talk about was the um, discipline issues from last night. And I think it's safe to say we should have two red cards last night. And um, in Harvey like, punching someone in the back of the neck and then Livington probably could have got sent off for, you know, bad mouth in the ref or we don't know exactly what he said but he, yeah he was pretty aggressive to say the least the more aggressive that I've seen him anyway in recent times and you know we, I think we actually committed seven fouls in the whole game so the fact we got what was it three or four yellow cards and probably should have had two reds is you know pretty incredible um, and it it's, it's a fine line between a team being you know a team that we spoke about a few weeks ago being like you know trying to play this pretty football and wow people and being a team that is going out to hurt the opposition or things like that. And I felt Oxford did it very tactically last night, whereas we just didn't, or we're not, we haven't mastered that craft yet as we're quite a young team and maybe inexperienced in that sort of field. And um, Ross, what are your thoughts on the potential discipline issues that we have in the squad and how we could potentially correct those or craft those into being better? To be honest, I didn't really um, realise how many bookings Houghton and uh, Kasumi actually had. But I just felt on a whole, um, every single player out, out, out there was losing their heads. Um, I saw off-the-ball incidents between Nichols shouting at his back line, arguing. It's like, really? It's like, fair enough, you've made a mistake. Just, let's just get on with it and crack on. And get stuck in, and I, I think that's what we failed to do yesterday. And um, I'm hoping to see in the next couple of weeks um, we're not scared to uh, get stuck in. And um, fair enough if it costs us a yellow. Um, and yeah, let's just hope hope Russ sorts it out in the meantime. Yeah, I mean, I'm more than happy the players get stuck in, but it's about being clever with it. Like Harvey, these past couple of weeks, he's kicked out with Chambers. Should have got sent off for that, arguably. And now he's going to punch on the back of the head. I think it was Sean Clare. And it's just like, I get it. He's younger now. And he's, um, you know, I'm assuming he's a feisty player from what we've seen from him, which is good. I like I like feisty players who actually care and have to show passion. But they're showing passion and it's being a bit of a fuck on the football pitch. And it, I don't know. It, it's For one, it's not needed. And two, he should be using his energy in a better way, in my opinion. Um Joe, what are your thoughts on the discipline issues potentially in the MK Don squad? Yeah, I, I just I, I do believe that the system we do play, I do feel it does promote tactical fouling, which of course Pep Guardiola has kind of coined that the the association with the likes of Fernandinho. But there is a time and a place. Some I think one of them I, I uh, last night from either Kasuma or Houghton because they were both never going to get the ball when the play was running away. But sometimes it's, you know, you need to be a bit more clever. Like you say, be more clever about it. If there's three players around him and he's running into nowhere, what, what's the need to tug in, tug in his shirt and hold him back? And I, I feel, you know, Houghton, he's, I, I feel because of his lack of mobility compared to uh, perhaps some of the other players in the squad, I feel sometimes he does get caught out cold in that, in that position he plays. And I feel with someone like Kasumu, at times he can get caught up in, in the pace of the game and you know we've said before just just run around sort of not aimlessly but really just cover a lot of ground and, and be be very busy but I just feel it, it's just not great to see and with these hopefully it does improve with these you know calm and influences of um, of Richard Keogh and um, and Cameron Jerome hopefully it does improve yeah, well, for me, we saw last night how much Keir has an influence on his team already. You know, the players look up to him. He's been a mentor to the younger lads and they're just like disorganised about him. And it, yeah, it, it's scary to rely on one player that much. But at the same time, it, it's clearly needed because they, they just lost their heads last night and it, they can't be doing that. And for me, this Blackpool team in the exactly do the same. They're quite an aggressive side, which we'll get on to. And you know, enough away from home match. And yeah, they, they can't they can't have a repeat Tuesday night on Saturday, that's for sure. So away from the negatives, let's talk about some positives. And 
particularly the attacking football that we showed on Tuesday night, uh, which we followed on from Gillingham. You know, um, the wing-backs looked sharp and Paul and Harvey. Surprised they both actually played on Saturday. I saw on Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday night. Um, but, you know, it looks good and, you know, create lots of chances. And Paul actually had a 0.2 XG, which is like a quarter of the team's XG or something like that, which is pretty impressive. Back to like Doncaster days. Um, but, yeah, Jerome and Morris had a good partnership again, looking good. Um, showing their Norwich City connections that they had in the past and linking up well. And, of course, probably should have more than one goal between them. Um, and yeah, when, once Gladwin came on and he complimented Fraser quite nicely and they brought that creative spark we might need it. So it's nice and promising, gents. And, you know, once we do sort those defensive issues out, then it's good to see that we can continue to score goals and be competitive in games. It's just we need to sort it out of the back first. Um, Joe, what did you think of how well we played attacking-wise uh, last night? Yeah, I, I, I did just want to take uh, just flag this up because I feel... In, in the midst of the results, we are missing some trends that are beginning to arise and some some sort of uh, things that are occurring in the games. And I feel Paul and Harvey are consistently putting in good, good deliveries. They're consistently holding their runs. You're not seeing them caught offside a lot. They're really adding a lot to our attacking play. And I feel, and I, I was actually listening to the Oxford commentary and they were, just full of praise and I feel sometimes we do need to get a bit of perspective because obviously for us it's very very emotional but if you take the emotion out and listen to people that have perhaps non-biased views such as commentators or there was um, George Ellick he's an Oxford fan he's a presenter of a great podcast not the top 20 podcast and uh, he was he was saying how he was really really impressed with MK and he was actually saying at half time how he was quite worried and thinking that Oxford were going to need to be holding on towards the end because of how how good we played in the first half and I feel that it, it is important to just to keep note of these positive trends because I think Jerome and Morris they were causing all sorts of issues some they were one of them was coming short the other was running the channels um Jerome he had he, had, he obviously he was in the right position for his goal he he was in the right position and just narrowly put a header over Morris was inches away from sliding onto a, a very good cross from out wide again. And I think these sort of things, they will take time, but it's, I think the attack is showing signs of becoming more creative, becoming more consistent. And I think with Thompson, Fraser and Gladwin, we've got three creative midfielders that can only add, add uh, to, to our attack. And I just think it's, it is important to just, just remember that and bear that in mind. We've got the, I think there's only three or four teams in the league that have actually scored more goals from open play than us. So it's it's not as if we're it's not as if we're just scoring from set pieces. We're we're genuinely opening teams up and crafting some really good chances. So we keep saying it, but once these mistakes are cut out, we'll see more, much more days at like Gillingham. Yeah, we sound like a broken record, but it's true. Like I've, I've, I'm pretty sure pre Blackpool, we were in terms of the XG table, as they like to call it. We're like fifth in the league and our expected points are 11. So that's obviously a drastic comparison to what we are now. But that's where we should be if we can just count these defensive mistakes and actually, you know, we're a good team. We're not a bad team. And it was, no, we're in a, no. we, yeah, like people like to call it a false position. But I don't know if I agree with that term, but it, I agree with elements of it in terms of, you know, we should be higher in the table than perhaps we are. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on our attacking potential, well not potential, but attacking prowess I suppose, in the uh, last further pitch Just through listening to Joe there it's made me feel really positive about the attack I know, uh, I know, uh, You're welcome uh, mate <laughs> I know a loss can um, sometimes put as as I said at the start of this podcast a bit of frustration um, amongst the fan base but since the international break the two uh, 22 years olds in Harvey and Paul since the international break, since they've came back, have been out, um, I think, tremendous. I think Paul just does Paul things and he overlaps, he crosses, as Joe says, and he does the defensive work also. Um, if not, getting that header on, uh, when defending the corners um, and Harvey's doing the um, complete opposite and bombing up that line. So I feel like them wing backs. I think they've they're nailed on now. 
in Harvey and Paul. Um, obviously, rotation will take place, and Torinola and Cargill, whoever you want to put down the left and right, um, will come into play. But as Joe said, um, another goal for Cameron Jerome, who's not even 100% yet. I'd probably say he's about 80%. Um, his link-up play with Morris in the first half was good. Um, but then I think the whole team went near enough missing in the second half, in the build-up, etc. Um, uh, it was a positive Ben Gladwin coming on. He needs the minutes. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how much he gets this Saturday against Blackpool. Um, and I'm hoping to see, because I'm a big fan of Lars Sorensen's, uh, especially on set pieces and from corners, because I know we struggle with them. To be interesting to see how that uh, plays out in the next coming weeks with him. Also, yeah, happy birthday to Lassa, by the way. He's 21 today, so if you're listening, mate, happy birthday. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm also um, I'm glad to see Jerome get another goal, proving the doubt was wrong. Um, not us though, which is good. We believed in him, and you know, oh yeah, long may it continue. That's all I say. Long may it continue. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's forget about Tuesday night. It's out of our heads now. Let's move on to Blackpool. Saturday on the road again. Hopefully get this elusive away win. It's been way too long. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, Joe, take us to Blackpool. Well, uh, some of us will remember Blackpool fondly. Uh, over a year ago, as the last place, we picked up three points on the road. Now, I, I fancy us, just, uh, us to do it again. And uh, I'm just going to – I'll give you guys some uh, some information as to why. They're, they're currently sitting 23rd in the league. So we're actually playing the team below us for a change. Um, Neil Critchley's their manager. He's he's a rookie to uh, senior management, having been with uh, Liverpool's under-23s. He did take charge of one of the games when I believe the club was at the World Cup, uh, World Club Cup in, um, in Qatar. So... He's uh, he's quite he's fairly high profile, and uh, he's managed to pull in uh, use his Liverpool connections to grab a couple of players from them as well. Um, so far they've they've they're, they've lost to uh, Gillingham, Lincoln, Ipswich, and Charlton. So uh, they're they're all teams we've played uh, apart from Charlton, and uh, we beat Gillingham. We we more than competed with Lincoln and Ipswich. Um, one one theme of their season so far is plenty of shots and very poor conversion. They they play a fairly possession based style four three three. They've got the fifth most possession in the league on average. Um, but it seems that one theme is there's uh, a lot of shots from outside the box. And I mean, I, I think that that taking those sorts of shots is is not a very feasible plan in the long run. I think um, they're they're very weak at defending uh, defending the wings, and I think that could really play into our favour. Just having mentioned how strong our fullbacks have been recently, uh, they've they've conceded twelve and they've only actually scored six this season. So they've conceded more and scored less. Uh, with one of their players, James Husband, already racking up an impressive two two red cards, which mm. is uh, which is quite a feat. Um, so they actually averaged the fifth most shots in the league, yet they've scored one of the fewest in, in six this season. They they love to attack down the right through uh, CJ Hamilton, who uh, some of us may remember from being at Mansfield. Um, they've, they've got Jerry Yates and uh, Gary Medine, who are both pretty good strikers for the level, that can play through the middle, both quite different. And uh, on the left of, um, of, the, of, the, of the front three, they're playing a... Uh, the likes of Eva Labala, uh, signed from Crawley, I believe, and he loves to shoot from from anywhere. And uh, Ben Woodburn from Liverpool. Um, just another couple of um, a couple of uh, things I noticed. They've uh, they've taken over nearly half of their shots from outside of the box. So I think I think that could be quite a good thing for us because if they're taking these. These these shots from outside the box. Hopefully, if if it is Lee Nichols in goal, it will give him a little bit of confidence and hopefully provide him with some potentially easier shots to save. Um, one other uh, trend which I think could be quite good for us is they've given up the fourth most shots in the box. So that means that a lot of the time opponents are getting into their box and actually being able to get a, a shot away. And for our style of football, with the crosses into the box. And a lot of the time, potentially easy finishes or one-on-ones. I, I feel that could that could really uh, 
play into our hands. Um, so yeah, it would be it'd be interesting to see how we play. But I, I really do think that they're that they're a new team. They're they're learning a new system. Uh, we I think we're much further along in our uh, progression than they are, and I think this is a real opportunity for us for us to punish a team currently just drifting along at the moment. Yeah, that's great, Joe. Thanks. For that. It sounds very much like. Uh... Oxford, actually, in terms of our thoughts on the last episode. Um, Ross, you actually went on the Up the Mighty Paul podcast earlier in the week. And I believe the podcast episode will be out maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow night. Um, but either way, um, what was the general feeling over there from those guys? And did you pick up any gems of information that we'd like to know? First of all, I'd like, just like to thank the lads for letting me uh, come on the podcast and uh, hearing some interesting views of theirs. Um, they mentioned a few players. Um, Ethan Robson, who sits in the middle of that uh, midfield, he tends to be the organiser within their team. So he controls and uh, tries to dictate the game, uh, as Joe said, with the possession. Um, but um, they spoke to me prior to the game on Tuesday against uh, Cholton. So uh, I got a bit of an update um, uh, tonight in regards to the game yesterday. And they felt that Daniel Ballard, who's the Arsenal loanee, uh, who plays in centre-half, is uh, very composed. He's apparently a class act. And he's got a great anticipation uh, towards the ball. So um, it's promising signs for this uh, Blackpool uh, side, the key individuals. But as Joe said, they're not putting their chances away. And um, but apparently they heavily dictate on uh, CJ Hamilton with three goals this season, and that's half their goals this season already. Um, also, um, something which uh, caught my eye um, when I saw his heat map was uh, he loves to take on his man, and um, a lot of uh, Blackpool's play come down that right-hand side. So it'll be interesting to see how Harvey and everyone else deals with it. Yeah, yeah. well, Hamilton v Harvey, that'll be about one half, won't it? Especially with... Uh... Harvey getting, well, get people getting those skin last game. Um, yeah, I mean, one other thing I would note that I mentioned earlier on was they are quite an aggressive team. Um, more so away, but at home they, you know, they like to get in people's faces and, you know, they're not they're not afraid to pick up a yellow or two. So, you know, built the Oxford game, it's important that, you know, we have a bit more composure about ourselves, don't let it get under our skin and just focus on our game because that's what we're good at when, we, when we're on the ball and the ball at our feet. That's when we control games, that's when we win games. And that's the message that the manager should be portraying to these players as much as it is, you know, be this, not basically don't be a bunch of pushovers, but at the same time, you know, focus on your football. Gents, a bit of a spontaneous thing. Shall we do a predicted start 11 now? Yeah, I'll go along with that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, are we in consensus that it's going to be a three-five-two or a five-three-two? Yes. Maybe. Okay. And then Nichols in goal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, give it another chance. I say, as you mentioned, it could be a better game for him. The back three, obviously, Kier in the centre because bloody hell, if we don't have him, then we're in trouble. Um, are we going with Livington on the left and? Willow on the right if he's fit? Or we think I'm maybe O'Hora if he's available? I, I think Williams and Lewington have done nothing to deserve being dropped. And I think Keogh just proved how crucial he was. So I think that three that played against Gillingham, I'd, I'd definitely start that three. Yeah. Ross, are you in agreement with that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it was crazy dropping the first place, uh, to be quite honest. Um, and then I'm assuming Harvey and Paul are going to stay in the team. Uh, yeah, yes. one one thing I would note is um, obviously uh, I think Ross mentioned about um, Harvey being uh, Harvey and Paul both playing uh, plenty of games recently. Um, ben Gladwin he he did play left wing left wing back when he was at Swindon a few years ago, and he did actually come on for Harvey uh, at the game at Oxford. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Ben Gladwin at some point on that left on that left hand side. Okay, did he actually? Yeah, did he actually operate in left wing back, or did he? Did like say for example, Cargill? Did he go to left wing back on the game? Can you remember last night, Joe? I can't remember, but I know he got into some positions out on the out on the left. Okay, so that could be interesting then. Okay, so the midfield three. I know Jack wanted to talk about it earlier. Are we going with Kasumu, Gladwin, and Fraser? 
I think Thompson if fit over Gladwin. Okay, interesting. Yeah, he has played well. What about yourself, Thompson Ross? That, I think Thompson gives that drive up the pitch. I know we heavily rely on uh, Fraser um, in that final third, but I feel like uh, Louis Thompson gives us that physical side also. Um, so I feel like uh, Thompson's a better option than Gladwin. Obviously, due to Gladwin not being match fit. Okay, yeah, sure. So we've got Kasimu, Fraser and Thompson in the central three. And then it's got to be uh, Morris and Dre, my friend, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Well, so, one thing I would say, I wouldn't, sorry, I wouldn't be surprised to see perhaps maybe Kasumu not play because I think Ross mentioned he's played three games. He's played our last three games in the past 10 days or so now. And at some point, we're going to have to rest him. So perhaps whether maybe Sorensen comes in and plays that, that, that deeper role or, or Houghton perhaps, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kasumu rest. I think, I think we are going to see some lineups in the next few weeks like we did on Tuesday and think, hang on a minute, what's going on here? But it's not, not, what I would, not, not the strongest team, but I, I think at some point it will happen. Yeah, well, I mean, Lassa played the, that defensive or well, pivot midfielder role at, at Stoke, so there's no reason why I can't play it here. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be against, I wouldn't be against seeing that at all. Um, yeah, so for now, our consensus to Russia is having to say that, no? Also, um, is Torinola a possible option on either the uh, wing backs? Due to obviously rotation. I mean, I think it's sooner rather than later that Harvey gets a rest, to be completely honest. Because yeah. you, well, he's played what four games in two weeks now, including the travelling for Scotland. So, yeah, I mean, I thought he'd actually be Sorinola against Oxford uh, on Tuesday, um, but yeah, there's a chance that he starts left wing back. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think as well is I think with with Saturday being a game where, I mean, I, I think the next few games we have got are quite winnable in that they're Blackpool. Wigan, AFC Wimbledon and Northampton. But then you've got we've got games such as Sunderland and Hull. And I know it does sound quite negative to think that, but would you perhaps maybe play your strongest teams against the the weaker teams in the fact in in the in the hope that you know you've probably got a better chance of beating them. Whereas and I, I hate to look at it this way, but in just in terms of managing the squad, perhaps they they look at maybe the Sunderland or Hull game as a chance to maybe rest one or two because it would be great if we got something, but we're not expecting to. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't fancy see um, Martin and Williams maybe operating that way, but no, no, I think it's a fair, I, th- I think it's a fair consideration for sure. Okay, so we've talked that line up, talked about Blackpool. Let's get into predictions, gents. What are our thoughts on how Saturday is going to go? Ross, give us your prediction. I think it's going to end up the same as the Oxford game um, in the sense of both teams would want possession. And I think after 25 minutes, uh, Robert kind of found out that he wasn't going to get the possession he wanted. And I think it'll be pretty much the same with Critchley. Um, and I think we'll very much dictate that game. And I feel like there's a vulnerable side to that Blackpool defence. And I'm hoping we can capitalise on it and... Uh, I'm going for a 2-1 Don's victory. Nice, I like it. Jay, what about yourself? I think one feature this season has, uh, has been the really early goals we've conceded. And I would love to see the stats of our, of how we actually play when it's either a draw or we are the team that's winning and the other team actually has to come out and try and attack. And I just think if we keep it tight for 15 minutes, the first 15 minutes, I really do think we're that we're going to do do quite well. I'm going 4-1 Dons. Wow, 4-1. Wow. Yeah, and, and Stephen Walker's <laughs> score. Yes, that's what we like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I, I, yeah. I do, um, I, obviously I wasn't on the pod um, on, on last week, so I couldn't mention about Stephen Walker, but just quickly, I, I do think that he should be given a chance. He was, a, he was a kid when he arrived. He was literally just turned 18. He's had... Eight, it's been 18 months. He's he's had chances in Middlesbrough's first team, and he was at Crew last year in a team that was flying at the, flying right by the top of the table, and by all accounts, actually impressed a fair bit. 
So I, I, I'm more than prepared to give him a chance and I think he will offer something different and maybe even a bit more than number. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't feature on Tuesday, to be honest, especially for Mason, who hasn't really shown much this season for me. Um, so, yeah, we're all for giving him a chance and who knows, he might, he might actually start on Saturday. Um, yeah, um, my prediction, I feel that uh, Blackpool can't beat the possession champions of Europe and we're going to take it to Blackpool after a pretty disappointing performance at Oxford. And I'm actually in the same boat as Ross score-wise and they go 2-1 Dons. Oh, yeah, no clean sheets. Goodness. Well, no, probably not. <laughs> of course not. Let's not be silly. <laughs> Only happens once every blue moon. So, yeah, so three wins across the board. Um yeah, so that's the end, end of episode seven of the MK1 podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you got this far, uh, it means a lot to us. It also means a lot to us if you could rate, review and subscribe uh, to the podcast. Um, I the, the reviews of the podcast obviously go a long way as they give us feedback on what we know, what we do well and perhaps what we don't do so well. Um, but also in terms of getting it out there for people and ultimately growing the podcast. So yeah, thank you again for listening and come on you dons. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.